0: So they've come up with this rather specious argument that the the online platforms are stealing their news content by carrying links to it, which is, is not a very good argument at all, because it's it's clearly covered under a copyright law. The Berne Convention uh, allows this. And so the, they've, they've just made up, that they've concocted this argument that The government fell for it in Australia a few years ago, and they fell for it here in Canada. The the only question becomes, will they fall for it in the UK?
1: The future of journalism is said to be in peril, as the internet has reduced advertising revenue and increased competition. In response, publishers have sought payments from large digital platforms, such as Google, and Meta's Facebook. But a new Canadian law to compel these transfers is backfiring, with Facebook blocking news and Google threatening to do the same. This affair raises fundamental questions about the value of news to digital platforms and the viability of journalism in the digital age. Welcome back to the IEA Podcast. My name is Matthew Lesh and I'm the Director of Public Policy and Communications here at the IEA. Each week, this podcast asks a tantalizing policy question today's question is the news industry broken to discuss i'm very excited to be joined by mark edge who's a canadian journalist author and academic he's the author of seven books has taught at universities across five countries as well as providing evidence to the uk news industry inquiry the Cross review in 2019 mark welcome to the podcast
0: thank you
1: so let's start with what's going on at the moment in canada think this is quite Fascinating. Why has Meta, the the owner of Facebook and Instagram, decided to begin blocking news for its Canadian users?
0: Well, they're blocking news because that's one way uh, of complying with the new Online News Act, which was passed in June by Parliament here and will come into effect uh, actually next month. So they kind of jumped the gun a little bit, but I think it was to make a point uh because if uh if they continue to carry links to canadian uh news stories they'll be on the hook for tens of millions of dollars the latest estimate was 62 million and for google 160 million um and so google is considering doing the same thing uh, because uh, as in australia where a similar law was passed uh, a few years ago they they are they can opt out and uh by doing so they're going to save uh, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars
1: so this is this is fascinating in the sense because the, the key premise of the digital platforms the likes of uh, of sorry I should say that the key premise of the news publishers has been that the digital platforms like Google and, and meta they really need this the news content for them to function um, and that they're hugely uh, revenue positive well this seems to say is the opposite it says um, perhaps the digital platforms don't need news as, as much as the news publishers might think
0: that they do? Uh, no, I don't think they do. Uh, Facebook, act, after all, is a social network. It's uh, a place where people connect with their their friends. And I'm sure discussing the news of the day is a small part of that. But it's a part that uh, Meta can uh, live without. And certainly uh, for the price tag that, that the government and the publishers here in Canada are demanding, it seems that they will live without it.
1: Yeah, and I saw some some interesting um, reporting of it was in Reuters suggesting that uh, Meta's decision to block news hasn't actually reduced traffic to Facebook. So it isn't even having a massive impact on Facebook. But but where it potentially could have a large impact is on the publishers, particularly, I suppose, smaller Internet-based publishers who, who might be losing traffic from Facebook.
0: Yes, the, the publishers have rather shot themselves in the foot. Uh, with uh, lobbying for this law, because now not only will they not be getting uh, the hundreds of millions of dollars that they'd hoped for from uh, Google and Facebook, uh, and they'll probably lose the millions of dollars that they've already uh, uh, got coming in agreements with them, because at least Meta will be canceling its, and probably Google too, but they're also going to be losing uh, the, all the traffic that once came from Facebook and uh, probably from Google as well. And this is having a disproportionate effect, unfortunately, in, in Canada on the smaller online-only publishers who rely, especially on Facebook, to build up an audience. So the, the whole thing is rather backfiring on them.
1: Yeah, we're in this bizarre situation where something that used to be entirely normal and uncontroversial, which is this idea of linking to each other's um, uh, sites on the internet, has now become some kind of big deal. Now, now, the central claim from the publishers here is, well, some kind of payment is justified uh, because, the, the, uh, effectively, the, at one point, the copyright claim... I think, subsequently, it's become, you know, there's some kind of significant benefit um, to the revenues of the digital platforms. Um, Of course, I think a lot of the evidence points the other direction, which is, uh, as I think you've said, just said there, that most of what people do on social media has nothing to do with news. And then, inverse to that, most of what makes advertising revenue is not news on social media. It's things like clothing and jewellery sales or just sell someone a travel package or something with direct financial benefit. It's not clear that there's much financial benefit of when it comes to advertising from having that news content though is it
0: no i'm sure that uh, facebook could live very well without news what the publishers are looking at though is the hundreds of millions of pounds that they're they're taking in every year in advertising because they've perfected target marketing through their use of of big data and newspapers can't compete with that and so now something like 80% of uh, all uh, online advertising revenues goes to Google and Facebook. Uh, that used to go to the newspapers, and, and they want it back, or at least a portion of it. So they've come up with this rather specious argument that the the online platforms are stealing their news content by carrying links to it, which is is not a very good argument at all because it's It's clearly covered under uh, copyright law. The Berne Convention uh, allows this. And so they've they've just made up, they've concocted this argument that the government fell for in Australia a few years ago and they fell for it here in Canada. The the only question becomes, will they fall for it in the UK?
1: Well, yeah, I think that this is uh, currently a live debate, isn't it? As part of the UK's... Digital Markets and Competition Bill. that it, it empowers uh, the CMA to enter, um, a, a require a, f- a fair dealing, and then ultimately enter a, a final negotiation, um, mandated final negotiation between the news publishers and the platforms that could then theoretically require them having to pay something. Although ministers have said that similar to Canada, the same thing could happen in the UK, which is that theoretically the platforms could pull out of providing news, which is not what anyone really. Wants here. Um, it seems though so, to me like a lot of the, the, the target is kind of misplaced in the sense that, uh, the, and I'm interested in, in your view, though, someone who's studied the news industry very closely. Um, effectively, it was a, maybe perhaps a supremely profitable industry for a period of time, particularly when it had the classified revenue. And that classified revenue has more or less kind of disappeared because it's so cheap to advertise goods for sale online. Uh, maybe you could say eBay should be the target or Craigslist. I think there was one study that said. Um, new, local newspaper um, uh, revenues and coverage went down as Craigslist arrived in different places over time. It seems like th- there's a there's a very broad set of new competitive pressures on on the advertising side. Basically, people can go advertise elsewhere, or advertise for free online, um, their, their goods in a way they couldn't in the past, and they were forced to use newspapers.
0: Yes, this has been going on, you know, for thirty years. As soon as the world wide web uh, uh, came into being that was that was it really for the business model of newspapers which has traditionally relied on advertising and in the second half of the 20th century in particular there grew up what i call this advertising bubble grew larger and larger and larger and especially here in north america publishers came to rely on advertising uh, uh, more and more in the the US, I think it was as high as 88% of all the newspaper revenues came from advertising before the recession of 2008, 2009, and in Canada, I think it was second highest in the world at about 78%. In most countries, it's more like 50-50, and in some, such as Japan, readers have traditionally paid about two-thirds of, of revenue. So, Publishers are just having to rearrange their business model to rely less on advertising, and they've been doing this quite successfully, uh, increasing the cover uh, prices of uh, the print product, but also uh, importantly online now uh, asking uh, readers to pay to read the news online rather than giving it away for free, which when you think about it, isn't really a very good business model at all.
1: Yeah. I think there's this interesting dichotomy here where there's a, a bit of a narrative that effectively that the internet has destroyed uh, the, the news media, has destroyed journalism, isn't it awful? But I, I suppose an obvious counter to that is, well, not only do we have more access to more information from more places than ever before, but it's also enabled a lot of new voices to be heard. You know, I think it's something like the rise of Substack where a whole bunch of journalists have left mainstream media outlets and are now trying to sell their own wares. Or a lot of people who might never have been mainstream media uh, journalists have now got an opportunity to, to have a platform and say something. So, so it seems like, in terms of maybe some of the older media companies aren't doing as well as they did during the advertising bubble you're talking about, but in terms of, as a consumer of media, it, it literally couldn't be better uh, than it is today.
0: Yes, exactly. It- it's been said that we're actually in a, in a new golden age of journalism because we have at, you know, our fingertips uh, access to uh, news from around the the world uh, in, instantaneously. But the thing about the internet is it's a it's a great global medium, but it's not a very good local medium, and it's been taking away revenues uh, from local media. And this is something that should be. Uh, redressed and where government might have a, a role to play and in fact it uh, has been uh, doing quite well in the UK with what's called the Local Democracy Reporters Program which they use a, a portion of the BBC's budget to fund direct reporting of uh, councils local government and uh, a same a similar program was brought in uh, here in Canada five years ago called the Local Journalism initiative to help improve coverage in underserved communities, but then uh, publishers uh, caught wind of what Rupert Murdoch was asking for in Australia and what he got, which was hundreds of millions, um, ordered uh, by the government to be paid from Google and Facebook, although I believe that will be ending soon, as soon as the first uh, round of three-year contracts expires. I don't uh, think they'll be Uh, renewed uh, because Facebook, uh, like I say, is getting out of the news business worldwide, it seems. But Google, their mandate is quite a bit broader. It's to know where everything is on the internet and to exclude news from that would be um, quite a blow, not just to their business model, but also to consumers who have expected to be able to find anything on Google, but there are other search engines. There's Bing and Yahoo, something called DuckDuckGo. They're not nearly as efficient as Google, but uh, they are competitors. So I I don't know how publishers can claim that uh, Google or Facebook have a monopoly because they, they do have competitors. And it's rather ironic that the, you know, the publisher's business model is being built on monopoly for decades.
1: Yeah, so, so there's an intriguing thing here where uh, effectively what has happened in a political economy sense, which is you've got these very large incumbent companies uh, in Canada, in the UK, in Australia, who have basically lobbied effectively governments for, for some kind of handout. Um, I, I think you, you've made the point, um, in fact, you've written a, a blog post to the IEA where you do make this point that the, the their influence is being used for, for their own... Benefit. You know, it's, it's a form of rent seeking, but I suppose a very effective form of rent seeking because it is the very people who present news to the public, and it's hard to get up a different opinion often in the media, just because the media's set to benefit here so much.
0: Yes, uh, what they're doing, it seems to me is they are monetizing the what remaining influence they have over uh, politicians, uh, Murdoch, uh, especially has a lot of influence. Uh, in Australia. He also owns the Times and Sunday Times in the UK, as well as the uh, Sun and the Sun on Sunday, and also uh, several major US uh, dailies, uh, like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post. So um, he's hoping to, uh, you know, extend this Australian model uh, to the UK. But I, I don't know, my my recent book on the, the UK newspaper industry shows that uh, media newspapers there are making quite a successful transition to hybrid uh, print uh, online publications, especially uh, Murdoch's newspapers, which he's, he brought in a hard paywall about 2010. And from uh, years of uh, loss-making at the Times newspapers, uh, their profits have been uh, doubling annually for the past few years, which is a, a rather a well-kept secret over there. It's something you won't read about in the mainstream media. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, this is, this is an intriguing point itself, which is the process of competition has, and uh, intense um, uh, challenge to the news media industry has, has arguably led to actually quite substantial innovation. So the fact that The Times has put up a paywall, I I think they've probably improved the quality of their news output. The Guardian uh, doesn't have a paywall, but they have a very aggressive system when you go to The Guardian where they say, please sign up to give a voluntary subscription. I think The Guardian for the first time in many years um, is now returning a surplus rather than taking away from its underlying trust. I mean, he's got this interesting thing here where you've, you've got a whole bunch of innovation that's come out of the fact that they're struggling, or at least they were struggling um to, to convert to the digital age. If they but it, it seems the counter to that, which is if you accept that they should be getting these very large payments to digital platforms, you you're gonna reverse that innovation. You're gonna discourage that kind of innovation. You're gonna discourage them for being more nimble and innovative. Um, and you're just gonna make them dependent on the large digital platforms for their revenues. Or even more than that, you're making them dependent on politicians and legislators who are nice enough to create a system where they can benefit
0: yes this is one of the concerns here in canada is that while news media are evolving the uh, government has uh, rather interfered in this evolution uh, process but uh, here in canada uh, our media are a bit of a a mess unfortunately because of what we had here at the millennium in terms of uh, convergence which i don't believe was allowed in your country Uh, because you have uh, limits on media ownership and this diversity test. Well, Convergence in Canada at the millennium saw newspaper owners partner with uh, television networks uh, under this multimedia ownership model, which uh, became overextended like the the Empire of Rome. And within a decade, it it collapsed. And unfortunately, some of our major uh, newspaper chains have fallen into the clutches of U.S. hedge funds and private equity, which are just simply milking them for all their worth. They have no interest in uh, journalism or even Canada. They're they're only interested in making uh, money. And uh, by my calculation, since 2010, the uh, hedge funds have taken about uh, 500 million Canadian dollars out of our largest newspaper chain now called post media network a half a billion dollars could have uh paid for a, a lot of uh, good journalism and uh uh transition to digital publication which they still haven't been able to um muster uh and uh, now our second largest chain is owned by a private equity firm nordstar capital which is doing much the same it's uh, Piecing off the company, stripping it of assets, and uh, so it, it's a it's a terrible situation we have in Canada here. And my research in the UK shows that at least you have a a much healthier uh, news media ecosystem over there.
1: Yeah, and, and I think also you point out in the Canadian context, they've actually received a large amount of government subsidies in recent years as well. So so these these uh, have been very effective lobbyists in that sense. <laughs>
0: Yes, uh, for the past five years here, we've had a a federal bailout, uh, which the publishers begged for uh, $595 million over five years, but it expires in the spring. So uh, after that, the publishers will be without uh, visible means of support unless they can get on the Murdoch plan. But like I say, That seems to be backfiring on them. So we've got a big problem here and we're going to have to do something uh, about it. And I think we should uh, take a serious look at a new system which would be less based on profit and uh, more nonprofit uh, organizations and um, should be uh, forward looking and uh, online uh, focused rather than propping up, you know, the dying corpse of uh, print media.
1: Why do you think? Just going back to to the UK context, where where you say there is a bit of a stronger ecosystem. Why why do you think there's a similar demand for this kind of payments from from digital uh, platforms, even though there there is this relative strength? Uh, And I wonder if we go a little bit more into that. What 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 did you tell um, the the Concus Review a few years ago? I mean, if you could um, go into that a bit and and what's happened since.
0: Well, like I say, newspapers are still. Uh, you know, healthy there. They're they're well profitable, but they're not as obscenely profitable as they once were at the height of what I call the advertising bubble. It was like a license to uh, print money. And so they've been having to downsize for the past uh, 15 or 20 years. And if they could get their, their hands on some of the revenues from Google and Facebook, uh, they would be back to their salad days of, of making uh, obscene amounts of money. But um, I don't think that's gonna happen because I don't think Google and, and uh, Meta are gonna sit still to be uh, fleeced in this manner.
1: Well, yeah, ultimately the, there's it's a bit more of a complex mechanism in the UK context where they're, they're gonna have to have a debate about the, the respective value to each party and then decide whether or not they, they, they want to enter these agreements. Um, and I think it'll be quite interesting to see whether or not the UK does go down the, the Canadian way and, and try to force it only for it to backfire again, as we were saying.
0: Yes, it's the element of compulsion that that bothers me that the government would compel the digital giants to you know subsidize uh, legacy media if they want to enter into agreements, which like I say, they have here in Canada, you know, that's one thing, and I think the free market should uh, should govern those. But, you know, for government to put its thumb on the scale, uh, I don't think is a very good idea. Like I say, the media uh, are evolving, and I think uh, that the government should do as much as it can to facilitate that evolution and as, as little as it can to uh, block it.
1: Would you say? I mean, going back to the, the kind of central question, that the podcast. Uh, I, I think you might have a more positive conclusion, which is: is the, the news media industry broken, or is it a, going to be a surviving and, and succeeding in the future?
0: Well, I think the you know we'll always have journalism because there's a demand, you know, on on the behalf of the public to know what's going on, and there's there's also you know an impulse on the part of journalists to to tell them what's going on and to explain it, and to tell stories. But uh, I think uh, definitely the business model for news media is, is evolving. It, it always has through technology, but this has probably been the most disruptive uh, technological uh, change probably since uh, Gutenberg, you know, and the invention of uh, printing.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate that. Uh, That's Mark Age, who's the Canadian journalist, author, and academic. And if you're interested in learning more about Mark's work, you can uh, read his recent blog post on the IA website or check out Mark's website where he writes all about these sorts of issues and the future of journalism. Um, You can also check out the IA's report, uh, Breaking the News, which put this into the UK's context. If you're enjoying the IA podcast, please do subscribe on your chosen podcast provider and you can learn more about the IA Everything ia.org.uk.